Hello and welcome to the first episode of Bitch Fit. I am the host, Sky Doyle, and this is my daughter, Tay. We are survivors turned fighters bringing sexual assault out of the shadows of shame. It's time for survivors and friends to stand up and speak out. Caution, this podcast will be talking about sexual assault in a frank and open manner. If you believe this will cause you emotional distress, then listening to it may not be right for you. If issues discussed do cause you emotional distress, contact your local counselling services. To kick off the first episode, we are going to talk about the Netflix documentary, Strip Down and Rise Up. This documentary follows 14 women who go on a six-month journey learning to pole dance. With some stories from women who have been in the sport for many years. We say sport because that is really what these women are doing it for. They don't work in strip clubs. It's their art. They teach it. They do it for fitness and they also compete. They really talk about it as if it is a way of life. The 14 women start this six-month X-Factor pole dancing course by founder Sheila Kelly. Sheila is an actress who learned to pole dance whilst making a movie in the 2000s called Dancing at the Blue Iguana. It's where pole dancing meets group therapy. It's weird because they learn how to dance, but they also sit in a circle and have these deep and meaningful conversations about the traumas they have experienced in their lives. I'm going to read a direct quote from Sheila Kelly about the essence of the pole dancing course. A lifestyle practice designed for those that identify as women to unlock their body through sensual movement and to learn how to bring you into a better place in life. When she uh, stated that quote, I actually kind of thought to myself, like, how empowering could pole dancing be? It sounds a bit touchy-feely, but it actually sums up what the S factor is really about. As the documentary progresses, you find out that majority of the women have been sexually assaulted. And it goes through and shows how sexual assault has affected every aspect of their life from their self-confidence, self-worth, how they interact with people in relationships, just how much destruction it can cause in a woman's life that is why we are talking about this documentary on our podcast you see that it's not a normal dance class there's like a group meeting kind of thing that happens and the women get to talk about their experience what they're feeling and what they're going through yeah and to watch was a little bit cringeworthy if you imagine yourself in that situation. Rawness can be very confronting. Like watching people be raw can be very confronting. But then the group come together and they cheer each other on and they clap and they listen to everybody's stories. They become so comfortable with each other sharing, but not just sharing their stories, sharing their bodies. When they share their body, it's very exposed. They're definitely not covered. (laughs) No, they're not covered and they're letting it all hang out. Sheila says how we're taught to hate our bodies because of the masculine energies and position that men are in to make women feel so bad about their bodies. Yeah. And you do, I found, I don't know about you, 
But I found myself thinking, oh, you know, I'd be worried about this. I'd be worried about my fat gut and I'd be worried about my thighs rubbing together. And yeah, my worry was like my chubby thighs on the pole, like that, (laughs) you know, that feeling of chafe. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the women who featured in the documentary. I want to start with Evelyn. I think she had one of the most transformative experiences. Evelyn went from this depressed, overweight, middle-aged woman who had lost her husband 18 months before the S-Factor course. Her husband dying and wanting to find herself again was really her reason for going on this journey. Her only goal was to get to the top of the pole. That's what she started out saying. Yeah. And you think, oh, that's kind of achievable, I guess. Yeah. But then at the end of it, the transformation was so much more than just being able to get up the pole. Like she got so much more out of it. Let's talk about the scene where she's talking about missing her husband. And Sheila's like, dance. Yeah. Dance through the pain. And it was something that I honestly don't know if any of the other girls would have been able to do it. Yeah. But Evelyn was really into it. And she was, in my opinion, a good sport. She took it on board. And she did it. And she danced out her pain. Yeah. It wasn't the, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe that moment although I think next time I might try it next time I'm having an emotional breakdown I'm gonna get down and shake my booty (laughs) shake out the bad vibes (laughs) shake my booty on the wall (laughs) try for an emotional release I wonder if it would work the same on your own she was in that group and the women are supporting and cheering her and stuff like that but when you're on your own if you're on the floor on all fours, crying your eyes out, shaking your booty. It might look like a bit of a, <laughs> a mental patient. I wonder if it would have the same effect. Maybe you can Google cheering sound effects. <laughs> Get a nap. Yeah. And play some music. <laughs> Woo! It'll, be, it'll work the same. Oh. By the end, she became this confident, sexy woman. It was a complete 180. I think the two women who had the biggest transformation in their appearance was Lisette and Jamie. Lisette is a self-described butch lesbian. However, she goes on to find her feminine self and that she'd been using this masculine facade as a protective kind of barrier. You see the transformation when she buys these bright red shoes It really showed her true personality. And Sheila says to her, sit this way. Mm. And it was to encourage her to sit more feminine. And just that little change in her, you could see that the masculinity that she had at the start had gone, or not gone, but had really softened down. Yeah, she really flourished. Another person with a huge transformation was Jamie. She too had been sexually assaulted and hadn't had sex for six years. She had long shaggy hair and she kind of just looked a bit frazzled. So I think her hair was kind of her shield or her protection. And Sheila says, you're going to get your hair cut basically. Mm. And you could see that she was really uncomfortable (laughs) The fear in her eyes. (laughs) With getting her hair cut. 
And we both said to each other, there is no way I would let somebody tell me to cut my hair. No. Not that I have much hair. And I have shaved my hair off (laughs) a couple of times. And I'm not emotionally invested in my hair. But if I was... I don't know how I would feel about somebody forcing me to get my hair cut. Yeah, I'm, I was a bit the same. Um, but she goes and she gets it done, has it cut from halfway down her back to about her shoulders. And it ended up looking really nice. Jamie's whole demeanor changed and she became this saucy mix and her hair did just... You could see the confidence. Yeah, it changed her whole look from frazzled to sexy. Every show needs a villain slash mean girl, and in this, it was Amber. Amber sells herself as a bit of an overachiever, type A personality who succeeds at everything she does. I think she went into this experience thinking she was going to come out a superstar pole dancer. She didn't expect to find herself sitting in a circle with a group of women sharing their trauma and most vulnerable experiences. Was she the one who left halfway? Yeah. Yeah. In the group therapy sessions, you can see her eyes glaze over and a look of absolute disdain on her face. She, in their group sessions, and what stood out for me is everyone's being really raw, open and honest. And she's like, oh, that's not me. That's not me. I don't have problems. You can see when they're doing the group therapy sessions that her eyes just glaze over. She looks bored. I think. Yeah. Like, oh, we're talking about our feelings again. I'm going to say it made her feel uncomfortable. And that's fine. Some people struggle with how other people's emotions make them feel. Yeah. But I also feel like she may have felt a little bit left out because she either didn't have anything to share or she didn't feel like she could or wanted to share her trauma with the group. Any trauma she may have had? Yeah. Possibly. Could have been a guard. When she leaves, she makes an exit video. One of the things she says is, this isn't how my tribe and I empower each other. Which is fair enough, each tribe to their own. But I think that's the point. There isn't many tribes out there that support each other in this way. It's a safe place for the women to share their trauma with the others without judgment and without the risk of scaring people away. It's probably a good thing she left anyway. Nobody wants to be vulnerable in a group of people where there's that one person who's putting out the negative vibes and you feel like is judging you. Then there is Megan, who had been a gymnast since she was two years old. When she was 15, she ended up hurting her back and got treated by Dr. Larry Nasser. He was a doctor who treated Olympic gymnasts. So you would think he was the best in the business and trustworthy. But in reality, he was a vile predator. There is actually a documentary about him on Netflix called Athlete A. I haven't seen that documentary yet, but I have listened to a podcast about him called Believe. And what he did was unbelievable. He would actually sexually assault the girls while their parents were in the room. He was that trusted and brazen that parents were oblivious to what was going on. There was this scene with Megan where she's talking about the impact that the sexual assault has had on her life in regards to her sexuality and her body. And I could really relate to what she said when she said that she disassociates from her body. That's one of the things that I am still finding 
is that there are things that I have that other people have experienced that I haven't had the words. So hearing other people tell their story gives me words to describe what I feel and what has happened to me. So the last person that I want to talk about is Amy, who was a porn star for six months and her porn name was Wendy James. She then went to school, became a lawyer and is now a studio owner. She, as a child, grew up in a Mormon family. Her sexuality and how a woman should behave was extremely suppressed. She ended up leaving home when she was 16. Is that right? Yeah, she left. And she ended up doing some nude modeling which then led on to pornos. I think the sad part about her story is that even after she made her new life or was in the process of making her new life outside of porn, that men would drag her back to that time. Yeah, she was trapped nearly. Yeah, she says that she did it for six months, but it's almost... Like, it will be her life forever. Yeah. These men couldn't let it go. Like, she'd go on to try and do new things and people would reference a porn video that she did. Even just working in a takeaway shop, men who would notice her and realise who she was would leave notes on the receipts and say, meet me in the car park after work. Yeah. And these were men who had gone to the restaurant to have dinner with their wives and kids. It was, it was disgusting behaviour. It was. And people, even now, a man calling her out on a YouTube channel. Yeah, when she posts her comp videos. Like, what goes through their head? Why on earth would anyone think that that's okay? I think a big thing that stood out for me in her story was when she went to a supermarket and the checkout boy recognised who she was. And I have nothing wrong with people watching porn. Like, you know, it's just a normal thing. But for myself, I would never, like, if I recognised a porn star, I'd be like, oh, my God, are you blah, blah, blah. No, me either. It's not appropriate to say, I don't think. And if I had done porn, which I have not, (laughs) and some little shit said to me something, I want to slap him across the face. Yeah, it's almost like she just (laughs) couldn't shake it. She could not shake this part of her life and she just wanted to move forward and, you know, let it have been a lived experience, but she just couldn't shake it. Because of men not letting it go. Yeah. These judgmental men who are the ones watching the pornos. I just kind of think, like, why can't they enjoy it and maybe keep it to themselves without trying to bring someone back to something that they obviously want to move forward from. God, imagine if we could bring up every bad choice for every person. Yeah. For the rest of their lives. You just... You'd go insane. There was this part, and for me, I don't know about you, mm. but it was the most uncomfortable... Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It, it makes me feel uncomfortable now. It was super uncomfortable. And it's where... Three men come into the studio and Sheila tells the women, just go out there and dance around this masculine energy. These men are... They were here to make you feel safe and loved. Yeah, that they're basically they're good men and they were in tune with the feminine powers and it's a safe space with this masculine energy, basically. Yeah. It was cringe, I think. Yeah. 
I cringed in there watching it. I should have skip it. <laughs> I should have fast forward through it. And he said I had to sit through it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had to get the whole experience. But I didn't even rewatch it when you rewatched it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it highlights how uncomfortable as a person who has been sexually assaulted you are with men. Mm. I don't think I could have done it. I was watching this yep. scene thinking, could I personally do it? I don't think I could. No, I would have run and hid in the toilets. I'd be like, sorry, I'm not coming back. <laughs> I probably would have puked at the ang- from the anxiety of the whole experience. Yeah. So the women came into the room and there were three men sitting there and they danced. Yeah. Did their sexy, sensual dancing in front of these men. First of all, that is just, whoa. Mm. Like, that would have been a massive step for me right there anyway. Yeah. But then they go up to these men and they kind of talk to them. They hug them. They cry. They tell them these most vulnerable parts of themselves and these men are listening. And it was just horrendous. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, for someone like for myself, I don't even hug my dad. Like you know, Matthew's been in my life since I was four, and it, like it makes me cringe the thought of having to try and hug someone who's been in my life for so long. Let alone a stranger. Let alone a stranger. You would you would have found me in the corner hiding. But it was surprisingly helpful. I want to say for these women, like it really seemed to have a positive impact. On them. Yep. Lisette went up to the guy who was the oldest out of the three men and came out to him as being gay. And for her, she didn't get to come out to her dad before he died. So this was her chance to do so. It was a big relief for her. Yeah. And the gymnast, Chick Megan, cried and hugged and she said their hearts touched. She had a real moment with the guy so then the women go on to graduate Mm -hmm. they sort of do the whole course beginning intermediate and advanced don't they yeah and they graduate and they go to the beach and they have a ceremony to i guess it kind of signifies letting go washing away the old and embracing the new and it was a really touching moment, I think, to watch the women go in and have this almost clean, like a baptism, wasn't it? Yeah, they were cleansed. Seeing them in this new light of finding confidence and sensuality and feeling comfortable within their own bodies and skin again. Yeah. This whole process and whole experience in the documentary was done through pole dancing But I feel like it could be done through a lot of other experiences. I don't think necessarily it was the pole dancing itself. Mm. I think it was the women cheering each other on, supporting each other, having a safe space where you can let out your most vulnerable moments, share your trauma, not be judged, 
have other people support you through that that made the experience what it was yeah I think you're right with that like because a few months ago I did um a job trial at the summer camp and it was like that so for the camp you would be outdoors and you're running obstacle courses they had this massive bridge that was across their river and at the end of it at the end of every activity they talk about how you felt and what feelings did that bring up and it was very similar to pole dancing so I think you can do it in any aspect of any sport, any activity, and there's always a way that'll make you feel things and try and make you overcome it. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the one I mainly remember is the bridge. They'll be like, you know, look at the bridge as something you can't overcome, like a barrier. And once you get to the under- other side of this very wobbly bridge over a lake, you can feel that relief and hopefully you can move past that barrier. So I think that was a, a big thing. Well, overall, I have to say that I really enjoyed the documentary. It's good that it was so out of the ordinary. Yeah, it wasn't what we expected when we clicked on it. No, not at all. I thought it was just going to be pole dancing fitness, how these women went from unfit, overweight, to competing possibly getting into competition yeah being these super women who get on the pole and yep. do amazing tricks so it was a lot I got a lot more out of it than expected so it was a nice surprise yeah I did like and the reason I wanted to make this our first episode was that it got these women talking talking about their sexual assault talking about what happened how it affected them and one of the ways that it affected some of the women was by putting on a lot of weight, not caring about their body anymore. Mm. These are topics and, I guess, life-changing effects that we don't think of are associated with sexual assault. When somebody sees an overweight woman, you don't think, oh, that poor woman has been violated. Mm. Most people would just be like, oh, look at that fat person who doesn't take care of themselves, who eats too much, who doesn't exercise, they're lazy or whatever stereotype label. For me, I think I'm not going to look at people in that way. I'm going to see possibly somebody who's in pain. Yes. And I think that is a good takeaway from the show. Yeah. I think also the fact that you can look like you're living such a normal life when deep down it's there. Like some of these women, the sexual assault happened when they were in their teenage years, they're in their mid-40s and they've had a whole life that has been shaped by what happened to them, Mm. whether that be not being in a relationship, not having sex for a long period of time, putting on weight, not trusting anyone, being angry, being a mean person, all those kinds of things. It put real faces to real stories with real consequences. So if you haven't seen it, we highly recommend you check out Strip Down, Rise Up on Netflix. And until next time, smell you later. (laughs) Is that how we want to end it? Smell you later? (laughs) No. How do we end it? Until next time, bitch fitters. Bye.